You are now listening to the Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified. Hello, I'm Maisha Kai, host of the Griot's Writing Black Podcast. In West African tradition, to be a griot is to be a storyteller, one who carries and communicates the experiences and legacies of a people. As the Griot's lifestyle editor, I've always been fascinated by how we tell our stories. That's why we launched Writing Black, to explore the myriad ways Black writers craft stories and communicate our experiences. Thank you for joining us. Here's an excerpt from this week's guest. In the pub, people spoke excitedly and glasses clattered noisily. My last girlfriend was Black. I looked at my date and blinked, sure I'd misheard him. Sorry, I said, leaning across the table. My last girlfriend was Black, he repeated, not a trace of irony in his voice. That's nice. Was she a nice person, I asked, taking a very large gulp of my wine. I was still on antibiotics, and this red was not going down well. She was crazy, he said, shaking his round head as alarm bells and red flags popped into mine. My date was almost as wide as he was tall, with a huge belly straining under his t-shirt. Blonde curls framed his big rosy cheeks. In essence, he was a giant cherub. He didn't look like a giant cherub in any of his OK Cupid photos, obviously. Welcome to Writing Black. We are extremely blessed this week to have a friend joining us from afar. <laughs> Candice Cardi Williams is with us all the way from the UK. If you are not familiar with Candice's work yet, you should be. Uh, her book, Queenie, was a bestseller and for good reason. It is fantastic. It's been billed as, by some as a Black British Jones. I bill it as like super relatable and I loved it. Um, and she has the upcoming people person. Candice, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good, thank you. Very happy to be here. Very happy to be on. Well, we are thrilled. Um, and you know, I use this word that I'm sure you've heard a lot. It's even on your book. <laughs> but I do think it's at the heart of why your work has resonated with people so heavily um, these past two years, which is the word relatable. Um, you know, you are writing about black women in a way, you know, it's, it's interesting. I feel like on one hand, you are part of a really refreshing wave of, um, you know, women writing about women's lives <laughs> that is very sometimes messy, uh, extremely transparent. Um, but ultimately that is what life is. Right. But it's also the tradition of like, you know, I think about, you know, writers like Entozaki Shange and, Terry McMillan, who gave us like these like, you know, very imperfect black girl characters where we were kind of leaning out of respectability politics. How how has that process been for you in terms of like developing this, particularly these black heroines who are um, so complex, you know? Do you know what? It's been really, it's funny that you mentioned Terry McMillan because I have watched Waiting to Exhale one million times. <laughs> I found um, a really amazing first edition of it in, in Black Market Vintage. Is that what it's wow. called, I think? In Brooklyn? Yes, yes. Um, and that was, uh, I saw it on the shelf and I snatched it straight away um, because it's such a formative uh, text in my life, that, that work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that growing up and watching that and watching all the things I watched and reading all the things I, I read, it was like, it, it didn't make any sense to me to create a character who was perfect or was striving to be perfect because I've never found that very interesting. Right. And actually in my work and in my life, I kind of leaned towards chaos. And mm-hmm. I think it's like a lot of people are and a lot of my friends are chaotic. So it kind of made sense that like any character that I would ever dream up, which is obviously based off of something, 
would be as chaotic as like all the texts that I've loved or the people that I love because like that is life and I don't think it's ever been tidy for anyone um but I've definitely and maybe we'll come on to say but I've definitely got a lot of stick for that I've come into like, a lot of hot water writing characters, really? writing characters who, yeah so actually I remember really early on like maybe catching a couple of Goodreads reviews on Queenie and people were really angry. They were really angry with her. They were like, why doesn't she use protection? Why is she so stupid? Why is she? And it was like, oh my gosh. And I think it was like almost flattering because I was like, you clearly, you know, very passionate about her, but you, you're kind of forgetting that like, I've written a book and if, if she just sort of got up and went to work and came home, then you, this wouldn't be a very interesting thing to read. Um, and so I never saw it as a bad thing, but I definitely recognized that like people were so, rooting for her because I felt like she was real and they wanted her to do better but it was also like yeah she's not going to do better really not in your eyes anyway because you know she's going through it and I think that's more that's more interesting than if she wasn't it's also more realistic I mean let's be honest I, I, I say this as somebody who's had been chaotic myself I've had my share, my fair share of chaos <laughs> and and you know and, and there isn't anything to celebrate uh about um having been chaotic if you if you you know if you don't have the highs and lows of it, the ups and downs, the, you know, the, you know, as they say, fall, you know, seven times, get back, get back up eight. Um, you know, I'm so interested by that, you know, like the standards to which, I mean, that's because that's what we see in life too, right? Like that's also that mirror that's being held up in terms of like the standards by which we, to which we hold um, black people, black women, um, and yeah, she does do a lot of stupid things, that particular character, <laughs> you know, a lot of really stupid decisions are made that are very much led by grief and trauma and loss and abandonment and all these like really real life feelings that we're all navigating every single day. Um, black rage as well. I think a black rage. Okay. I know, sorry, age. I think a lot of people forget uh, that she's 25 years old. And so people are like, yes. why doesn't she know this? And it's like, because she's still kind of a baby. You know, yes. and I think, like, as you, as you say, like trauma that basically stops your brain developing. Mm -hmm. So it's like all these things are thought of. And I think it's, you know, I think when you write like a stream of kind of conscious thought for someone, maybe people think like research hasn't gone into it right. or like that sort of like texture hasn't gone into it of like what, would this girl be going through at this age when she's gone through so much? But it's mm -hmm. like, all of my characters are so heavily sort of like researched or drawn out. And I think mm -hmm. like, you know, it's like all of these things have made her this, this messy person. Well, I do love that you talk about research because that's a huge part of what we like to talk about here when we talk about craft. I also think it's really, <laughs> I'm just going to call out myself for a second because it's really funny that I thought you said Black Rage, which must be Freudian for me because I also felt mm -hmm. like there was this undercurrent of, you know, that, that con constantly feeling misunderstood or like we're always told, you know, you're too much, right? You're too much. Yeah. You, must, you must shrink yourself to fit this, this thing that makes me more comfortable. Um, what does research look like for you when you're kind of putting something like this together? Like from a craft perspective, I'm just so intrigued mm. to know, you know, when you're fleshing out these characters, how do you do this? So a lot of the, the time research is kind of like 
lived experience mm-hmm. or like lived understanding and like other people's stories and other people's lives like that's really important to me because all of my characters have to be realistic because mm-hmm. otherwise I think people can tell a mile off if they're just like oh what does this kind of person do and what does this kind of person say um and so there is that there is like coming from a world of like women who as I said like mm-hmm. are intricate and are um kind of piece by piece, day by day, just figuring out their lives and making not making the right decisions, me included, obviously, still to this day at 33. Um, but mainly it is also just thinking like star signs are like a very big part of my work and a big part of like the thing I love. I love um, that. So star signs um, and being like, what kind of framework does that give us? Like who this character is? Like, what does that mean? Like what, what are they like? And what's, what's that going to do? But also reading up on trauma and the psychological effects of trauma and just kind of understanding like, you know, so Queenie, spoilers for anyone who hasn't heard it, was left to live alone when she was 11. And I was like, okay, what would that look? I went to research and talked to psychologists and like therapists and be like, what would that look like for someone of that age? And what would that do to them in the future? And so it's like really digging deep into like, what it is to be a black woman and what it is to be a black child and a young black female child who is left alone all of these things but star signs are kind of like the easiest one for me and the most fun for me i love the star signs thing i mean i'm like okay what's your sign i'm a cancer okay okay i'm a cancer moon i'm i'm an aries with a cancer moon (laughs) scorpio rising it's I'm complicated. <laughs> so you know, it's but, complicated. Yeah. But I have a Pisces moon. I have a Pisces moon. Ah, really, ah. That triple water really, 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 really runs my life. Um, I, I can see that. Yeah, that I can see that. But it also yeah. probably explains why, like, there's an intuitiveness that is coming through here. Anybody who's listening to this who isn't into astrology, I'm going to say what my mother always said to me, just because you don't believe in it does not mean it does not believe in you. <laughs> I'm going to use that because Please I do. have so many naysayers who uh, <laughs> like, sort of argue with me and they're just like, yeah, but it's stupid. And I'm like, would you tell someone who's religious that their belief system is stupid? And that shuts that conversation down very quickly. Exactly. Sit tight for just a minute and we will be right back with more Writing Black. Introducing Dear Culture with Panama Jackson on the Grio Black Podcast Network. Bring your friends for the shenanigans and stay for the edutainment as Panama debates culture wars, Janet Jackson versus Michael, Black Fashions, Black Mendations, and everything Black. Listen today on the Grio mobile app for all the Black culture conversations you don't want to miss. Also available wherever great podcasts are heard. And we're back with more writing black. Um, you also, you know, talking about your characters being realistic, there is something that you do. Um, and, and even talking about the unprotected sex aspect, you know, I'm always interested when I, when I interview um, a writer who uh, is, is brave enough to write sex scenes, right? You know, mm-hmm. and, and you, I would say, take it a step further in the sense that like, you know, if in Queenie, for instance, if she is messy, the sex is even messier and really, really um, hits, I think, at the more nuanced conversation around the politics of consent that we are like maybe not having as much yet um, in terms of, 
you know, we talk a lot about enthusiastic consent and yeah, you know, make sure you get the, the like the thing that happens once you're already in it, that I think a lot mm-hmm. of people are still navigating that I just felt was it rang so true. Um, and so uh, in such a visceral way, um, why was that an important part of her story to tell? So I think the sex of it was important because of what she was going through in terms of the breakup that she was going through, having left behind this relationship that was very loving initially, that felt very safe for her initially, that represented all the things that she she thought that she should have initially before it kind of slipped away from her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is that kind of period that you have that I think most people have after breakup where you just have a whole phase where you're kind of like, I just need attention. I don't really care where it's from. I just need to know that I'm not going to be going home by myself this evening. Mm-hmm. Um, and that felt like a very true thing for someone to go through who was 25 and having a breakup. Yeah. And then in terms of how men would use her body, that was the most racialized part of the book for me in the writing of it um and I have a lot of white women who were like oh I absolutely like I think that's so relatable to me I've been there and I'm always like oh really that's really interesting um and like of course I'm like there to listen to 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 that feeling and to to kind of like you know engage in in that but what I understand is like the, the sex that Queenie has is very specific to her race and it is with these white men who do see her as a plaything, they will never take her seriously as a sort of relationship prospect. This is a girl who they've understood, as everyone has from a young age, that black women are their bodies. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, these men will be using her as that and they barely know her name. And mm-hmm. so, of course, it was important to me to have that be a huge part of her sexual narrative. And in terms of consent, she never says no because in the place that she's in, she believes that this encounter is what she deserves. Right, she, yeah, because she does not feel entitled to, yeah. Of course not, and life has taught her, and society has taught her that this kind of sex is a sex that, that you deserve, and she does uh, really trick herself into believing that it's fun, that she's having a really nice time. And it's like fun stories to go and tell her friends, and she use that, uses that as, as conversational currency. Mm-hmm. But like, you and I know, that like that's not healthy and she's not having a nice time but she just doesn't know it at that point yet yeah. and so it was really interesting to explore that and to think of the duality and being like god what is she really and a lot of the time when i was writing those the the uh, her sort of telling her friends about the sex i would always have the alternate alternate route i guess the, what is it like i guess like the alternate dialogue that she'd be saying to herself which was like oh it really hurt Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, it wasn't really fun. Oh, I don't really feel connected to him. Why did I do that? It was mainly, why did I do that? Right. And so, right. very interesting. So, yeah, that is where I felt, you know, work is one thing. Um, housing is another thing. But sex was, for me, the sort of racial crux of Queenie. You know, I uh, cannot disagree. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, you know... Obviously, you're, you're an incredible writer for this reason, but the way you just described that is like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you can't imagine any of these encounters happening with her in a different body, like really. It's just, no. it is so specific. All right, well, we're going to take a beat and we will be right back with more Writing Black. 
Hey, Griot fam. It's Maisha Kai, host of Writing Black on the Griot Black Podcast Network. And I have a little treat for you. Not only has Writing Black been blessed to have as a guest acclaimed actor Omar Epps, but Omar and his publishers, Delacorte Press, have a little treat for you. That's right. Omar is giving away signed copies of his debut YA fiction, Nubia, The Awakening, co-written with Clarence A. Hines, to some lucky subscribers. But you heard that right, subscribers. If you want to get your hands on a signed copy of Omar Epps' YA debut, you've got to subscribe to Writing Black. You can subscribe on the on the Griot Black Podcast Network or anywhere you find your podcast. But you got to post it. You got to take a screenshot, post it, and tag us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. That's right. All you got to do is subscribe to Writing Black wherever you listen to your podcast and tag the Griot Black Podcast Network. And you, too, can have a personally signed copy of Nubia of the Awakening by Omar Epps himself. So hit that subscribe button. Do it. You know you want to. Don't you want to spend Sundays with us? Come on. You love Writing Black, and we love you. And we're back with more Writing Black. Um, you know, I, I'm going to, you know, as I like to say sometimes, pull to the wide shot here. You are mm-hmm. also in an interesting position as a writer. And, you're, you know, and, and listen, you're young, <laughs> you know, and so the amount of experience that you are both packing into these characters and that professionally you already seem to have had from what I've read, my, mm-hmm. my research, you know, so you come from the other side of the game as well, like having been in publishing in the publishing world and i think so many people are always like well how do i do it how do we get in there what do i do what makes an interesting story um i've always been told and always believe that the best writers are people who read a lot (laughs) right you know um so in embarking on your career um your your own writing career um having already had a toehold in publishing what was what were some of the the pitfalls you were aware of, like in terms of, I mean, were, were there any that you were thinking of in terms of, you know, how you told the story, how, how you would be perceived within the industry, even for the story that you were telling? Like, um, mm. did any of that like factor in? In a way, yes. But I think that because I'd worked in the industry, like while mm-hmm. I was working in the industry when the book came out, yeah. I was so aware of what there was a lack of. Mm-hmm. And I'd always understood from a young age that a lot of our black literature, we had imported from the states and so I was like I'm reading all these stories I'm watching all these films that are you know based on books and I'm like they're so rarely British and I know that we in the UK have a completely different framework we don't have any networks we don't have a BET we don't have Mm -hmm. a network that is for black television we don't have Tyler Perry we don't have any of those things that are like this space is specifically for us and other people can engage in it but it's, we don't have that. We have always just had to kind of like make do with a little thing on the side of what is widely white culture. Mm-hmm. And so like, and actually like schools would teach us like Russian culture before they teach us black culture. That's what we were, that's what we were dealing with. And so growing up, all of the, all of the, the books I read about the black experience were basically American apart mm-hmm. from maybe a handful of authors. And I really held on to those books and when I started working in publishing, again, recognised, I got in there quite quickly, I was like, where is, where is anything that I can relate to? And bear in mind, I was working across, like, poetry, cookery, I was working across non-fiction, and fiction, everything, literary fiction, every single thing you can think of. 
And um, the only books I came across, 12 Years a Slave, that was one of the books that I had worked on, and Americana. And so like the whole time I was there, those were the two texts that I could work on, that I could see anyone like me. And I was like, yeah, this is a problem. And so I created a short story prize. Yeah. For underrepresented authors paired with um, the Guardian newspaper. Um, and that was great. And I was like, you see, I was basically saying to my colleagues, and like, you know, you see all these writers are out there and all these stories are out there. We're just not publishing them. Um, and then after things were taking so long, I was like, why don't I try and write something? Because I'm very, my attitude is very like, let's get on with it. I'm very can-do, I'm very sort of driven, I'm very, uh, and it's like, a, I get fixated on doing doing the thing, and I get yeah. really impatient. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, why don't you try and write a book? And I think because I've read so much, mm-hmm. and I watch so much, I consume so much, and I, I listen to people more than I talk. And so I was, I'm always piecing together stories in my head. And even when I'm telling my friends stories, I never give them spark notes. I start from the begin. I start from beyond the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then like, it's like an hour later and I'm like, and then we're getting to it now. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. all right. But like, and so I was like, why don't you try it? And then I, and then I went to, the, to a writer's retreat of another author. Um, well, at the time she wasn't an author. She wasn't another author. She wasn't a peer at all. And I... When I was driving, I drove there and I had this thing in my head. I was like, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to say? And I was like, I'm so upset about how life is. I'm so angry mm. because like, life is not nice. If you're a black woman, it's just not nice. I don't enjoy it. It's not always very fun. And I have my friends and I have a lovely time with my friends, but then like, that's because that's a safe space. And then beyond that, it's like, oh gosh, there's always something, there's always some pain. Um, And especially before we had like Black Lives Matter as like a social media movement. It was like, this is a thing that we were almost like operating, reading and engaging in secretly because there wasn't a hashtag. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, these are all things that you talk about, maybe whisper amongst your friends and be like, oh, did you see that thing? That's really horrible. Um, And I remember being at work and seeing on the news and it was like for the first time ever, um, the news were finally reporting um, that an unarmed black man had been been killed in America. I'm pretty sure it was Flando Castile when I was watching it on the news that time. And I was in the kitchen and it was like a communal kitchen and there was a TV sort of like where you could sort of walk past and like watch or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I saw that and I started to cry because it was so sad. Yeah. And I was like, God, this just happens all the time. And it is so painful that like, this is one of the first times actually seeing it be reported. And loads of people, like, just walked past me when I was crying. Just walked past. And it was like, oh, invisible, am I? And that was really hard. And I was like, yeah. this keeps. And so I referenced Philander Kester in, in, in my novel. And actually the very last, it was funny, when Black Lives Matter was a movement and was a hashtag mm-hmm. um, in the pandemic, uh, loads of people were like, oh my God, I've just looked at the acknowledgements and the last words in the book of Black Lives Matter. And I was like, yeah, I know. And they were like, it's like you predicted it. And I was like, it's been happening for a very long <laughs> wow. time. Wow. And so like, so yeah. And so like, yeah, but as I say, I've always been that person to be like, just do something. Yeah. Um, because you have the power to, and working in marketing, working in books, when I could see what was around and I could see that this book wasn't coming and there wasn't space for it but the whole Black Bridget Jones thing was me being like 
I am going to make sure that when people think about this, they understand that it should be the scale of Bridget Jones, that it should yeah. be as big as, and be commercial. Yeah. There were so many books that are published by black authors are just tucked away. Yes. And I was like, no, not this one. This is, this is not one. We're not going to do that with this. And so <laughs> black Bridget Jones was me because I was like, we need to pay attention. This is, this is, yeah. this is what I'm coming with. This is, yeah. you know, sit up. Yeah. She's me too. <laughs> All right, y'all stay tuned and we'll be back with more Writing Black. The Griot Star Stories with Tere, coming soon on The Griot's Black Podcast Network. And we're back with more Writing Black. I love that you were talking about, like, I, I don't think, I know, I don't think about that. I mean, as many times as I've been to London and I, I'm like, wow, I have never really thought about the fact that, like, you guys don't have a BET, you don't have that same kind of like presence. Um, you have been writing not just novels, but you are also developing for TV. You know, these these amazing narratives I hear, congratulations are in order um, because Netflix just picked up um, one of your series, which is a black British musical, I hear. Yes, I, do I have that is. right? Which I'm a musical theater that. kid. So, you know, you're hitting Absolutely. all the sweet spots with me. You've got, you know, star <laughs> signs and I'm from the Twin Cities in, in, in Minnesota. So, you know, Amazing. Philando Castile, George Floyd, these are all very intimate topics for me as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I want to hear about this black British musical drama. And I, I want to hear about how is that is writing for that medium has it been jarring for you? Is it different? Is it fun? Is it like, oh, I totally want to do this instead? Do you know what? Working in TV is very specific. I've been mm. on set today. And so, like, you wake up at, at 6, 6.30. Mm. You get taken on to set. You're there from 8. You finish it around 7, 8 o'clock. Then you've got meetings about what happened in the day. And then you go to bed at about 12, 1. And you wake up at 6. You do it all again for a week. And by the end of the week, you're like, who am I? Um, but it's really fun. It's really fun, and the thing I love about TV versus books is that it's so collaborative. Mm -hmm. And so books, it's really you in your house, and then you send it over to your editor, and you're like, hello, I've done this. And then a bit later, someone will come back and be like, change all these things. But in TV, it really is an ever-moving, ever-changing process. And I think the thing I really like about it is that when I'm on set and I'm hearing the actors say lines, I'm like, actually, I think I want to change that. And so, like, there is this, I mean, like, there's basically that because it's my show. So I'm allowed to be like, I'm just jumping in, hold on one second. Um, and so I think it's really nice in the way that I get to work with lots of different people versus working by myself. Um, and one thing I think is interesting is that, like, a lot of writers write for TV and they are just like, here's the script, here's the dialogue. But I think because I've come from books, I've already built the entire world in my head. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to seeing it on, like in front of me, I guess, like coming to life, I'm like, oh, that's not quite right. That's not how I saw it in here. Um, so I'm really quite annoying to the to, to a director, any director that I work with, because I'm like, can we do this actually? Because that's, that's not how I saw it. But um, I don't mind being annoying, that's fine. <laughs> um, I'm very exacting and that's how it is. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, so that is that. But I'm also adapting Queenie for yeah. another channel. Um, and that's much harder because 
when you're creating an original show, you can just be like, here are the characters, here's what I'm going to do. But when you've got a text already, you're like, what am I going to use? What am I going to say? And I think one of the hardest things is being economical with what's happening. So, mm. for example, Cheske's date, one of my favourite things. That's one of my favourite things. I can't take credit for that because... Cheske is based on one of my best friends who's like a sister. And it was so real. I kind of assumed that it was because we've all been yeah. on that date. <laughs> yeah. It's the day she went on. I was like, can I just my novel? And she was like, yeah, yeah, go on. Go on, go on, do it. So like she, I gargle her blessing. Um, and so we have to kind of like condense that into Cheske talking about it on a car journey for like two minutes. And you're like, oh gosh, like we're losing all the stuff. And so, like, so I find I find that much harder than creating original drama. Hmm. Hmm. I'm well. First of all, I'm hoping that uh, we'll we'll be seeing that over here as well because I I need to see how this oh, unfolds. Like, I you really will. Do. Don't you worry. I, I have just a feeling. See. I have I just a feeling see. that it might be percolating because you know. I mean, and the and the market is ripe. It's. I mean, it is. And I'm sure you know this from having been on published design. I, I I I don't think it's hyperbole to say that the last few years has been an exciting time to be a black writer for better or for worse um yeah. you know it's like all of a sudden everybody wants to listen to what we have to say their reasons are suspect but at least they're listening right <laughs> so it's 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 tricky business sit tight for just a minute and we will be right back with more writing black you're watching the blackest questions podcast with christina greer in this podcast we ask our guests five of the blackest questions so we can learn a little bit more about them and have some fun while we're doing it. Okay, so this is a trick question. We're also going to learn a lot about black history, past and present. Beautiful. I learned a wonderful fact today. Great. So here's how it works. We have five rounds of questions about us, black history, the whole diaspora, current events, you name it. With each round, the questions get a little tougher. Oh, you got me, you got me. Uh, let me see, let me see, let me see. I have no idea. I knew you were going to go there, Dr. Greer. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast and share it with everyone you know. And we're back with more Writing Black. I want to talk about people person. I want to talk about, you know, when you move on to the next big effort, this is a different kind of relatable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> talk to me about the, this this particular cast of characters here and and again we're talking about you know abandonment we're talking about um a lot of disappointment <laughs> mm -hmm. still a lot of humor um but yeah tell me about when you went into this what what was kind of like leading leading the charge in terms of your inspiration for this this uh sophomore novel um, so I had uh, written a whole other version of People's Lesson, uh, which was about a friend and a strong friend in a friendship group. And I, I was like, yeah, okay, this is, you know what I'm saying, it's kind of interesting. And then I was editing it in lockdown and I was like, oh, I'm just not really vibing with this at all. And I'm such a, like, goes with her feelings person. I'm quite an immediate, as you're kind of imagining, I'm kind of an intense and immediate person. Um, and I was just like, I'm going to write something else, actually. Um, I'd spoken to my big sister and I was like, what would happen if somebody... Because in lockdown, we were all having sort of like pointless conversations because we had nothing to talk about. I was like, what would happen if 
someone like hurt me in some way and she was like well me and all your other half siblings would just come running and we would sort it out and I was like would you and she was like yeah and I was like oh gosh that's interesting I did it for a novel and so then I was just like let's try that out and then in that night after I spoke to her I ended up writing 10,000 words of people person so I think like the opening is kind of what and I haven't changed it I changed it slightly um but not massively um, and then after that, I was like, yeah, this feels right. And so I just kept going with it um, and really enjoying it and just really enjoying those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also, if it hadn't been for lockdown, I might have written something very different mm. because I think I needed to write five, six characters, including including Cyril, because I was lonely. I lived yeah. by myself. And yeah. I was like, you know, what is... Um, what, what you know who are these who are these I need company I was I was just really bored and really and really um yeah it felt like the right thing to do and so obviously we have Dimple who is the main character um she liked me as a cancer because I thought that might be an important thing to finally do write a cancer and write what that what that is and mm-hmm. what it feels mm-hmm. like to be a cancer um and then we have her elder sister Nikisha who she kind of speaks to first um, who actually is an Aries, as you probably know. I felt know. it. Um, <laughs> and I'm the eldest sister in my clan, too, so I felt her. I felt her. <laughs> um, and then after that comes Danny, who's a kind of hapless, happy-go-lucky, you know, just kind of like does things long for the ride. Gemini, he's nice, he's fun to write. Um, and then we have Lizzie, who is the same age as Dimple, and... Um, Lizzie is kind of she's not she's not different really from the rest, but she kind of separates herself because her mum is Nigerian. Danny's Danny's mum is quite British, but Lizzie feels that she really doesn't belong with these people. She's kind of like I don't know, you know, I have I have a life, my life is going somewhere, and now you've kind of all disrupted it. Um, and then we have Prince, who is the youngest. What sign is she? Mom. What sign is Lizzie? She's a Leo. Okay, so I... she's literally born two weeks after Dimple. Right, 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 right. Um, and then we have Prince, who is uh, has the same same mum as Nikisha, because Cyril sort of came mm-hmm. back to you know, he re- he returned uh, nine years later, um, and he's a sort of like ladies' man, Sagittarius, very young. <laughs> that felt very right that he would be this sort of like twenty four year old Sagittarius. Oh, like those Sagittarius, man, they're trouble. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and he was fun. So like, I had a lot of fun writing these people, and I think like. The first novel that I'd written, the first version of a person was kind of like, you know, quite serious and, you know, like saying all the things. And then I was like, do you know what? If you like kind of like flip it and like have like quite a bold conceit, like in terms of like what actually kicks this off, I was like, you can still have a lot of fun and talk about what it means to be abandoned by this person. And the person in question is Cyril Pennington. He is their dad. Mm-hmm. He is Jamaican. We learn about his past. We learn about who he is. But before that, what we understand is that he's basically just like had these kids and then just left them with their mums. Mm-hmm. And gone about his business and he's not malicious. He's not unkind. Nope. Um, he does what he can, I guess. And I think he just thinks he does a lot more than he actually does. Um, and he was really fun to write because I know so many men. Like right, him. that was the part. I was like, wow, <laughs> you know, yeah. absolutely that, mm-hmm. absolutely that. Yeah, so many men like him. Um, and I think also, like realistically, I also had a lot of stuff with my dad that I kind of needed to work out. Mm. I needed to think about. I needed to get through. And 
you know, Queenie is very much a, a book about mums, but yeah. it's all about, it's about other stuff too. And I had a, some stuff with my mum that I needed to work out, and that kind of came out through through Queenie. And um, with my dad, you know, my dad is a very different guy to Cyril. My dad, um, he's just not really. He's just it's quite boring actually. So he really isn't a people person. He's like quite the opposite. And I remember saying to him when I was young. Who are your friends? And he was like, I do not have friends. I only have acquaintances. And I was like, oh, God, I don't know shit, um, And so, yeah, like, it just kind of felt like it was the right thing to, like, think about that and to, you know, just, like, really explore these people because I'm one of those people in life who if someone, like, uh, pushes me out of the way or, like, cuts me up in the, in the car or similar, I'm like, oh, God, you're having a bad day. This is about you. What's going on with you? Why are you that person? And so, like, in most, in, like, breakups and stuff, I'm like, oh, I get it. You know, you're not quite there. Like, you're not in yourself. You don't really, you know, I'm kind of like, take care. Mm. I don't know. I just don't really, I don't know. I try to look past all the stuff and see, like, what the root cause is. And it saves me a lot of time and it saves me a lot of energy. And I don't really carry because it's like. Sit tight for just a minute and we will be right back with more Ride in Black. Hey y'all, have we met? I'm Aisha Kai, I'm Lifestyle Editor at The Griot. I'm also the host of our brand new podcast, Writing Black. This is all about black wordsmiths. We're talking playwrights, authors, poets, comics, songwriters, anybody you can think of who works with words, that's what we're talking about. And we're talking about how identity and craft intersect. Jay Ivy, thank you for joining us for this first episode of Writing Black. Thank you, you for been? having me. Yeah, I'm blessed. <laughs> it's so good to be here. Feeling fantastic, you know? Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for doing the work that you're doing. Keep shining bright. And we, and, and like you said, we're going to keep writing black. We're going to keep writing black. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Chat out. So I am very excited to have Sam J with us. Honestly, we were just like, it needs to feel like a party at my house. And I, I work in comedy and I work in comedy writing. So typically at my house, there's a lot of comics and, and writers and people like that if I if I throw a function. Omar Epps is with us this week. Um, Omar, thank you so much for being on Writing Black. This is so exciting to me. How are thank you? Thank you for having me. I'm good, I'm good. Uh, thank <laughs> you for having me. It's sort of, it's so cliche, but it's not cliche. It's just the truth. Kids are the future. I Men hope not, be gosh, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> the world is gonna be fine. This, the world is going to be fine. You're right. <laughs> I, you know, one of the quint quintessential things I remember about the 90s is Janet Jackson's That's the Way Love Goes video and how that kind of, that, that was us. You are now listening to The Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified. You know, you know, it's so funny. I'm sitting here and the whole time you're talking, you know, being you know, over a decade older than you, I was sitting here and I was like, wow, man, I wish I had yeah. this presence about myself when I was, <laughs> when I was, you know, you're, you're the age of my younger siblings. And it's like, man, none of us have that presence at that age. And that, that, that last bit right there, not only made a lot of sense, but I think it's tremendous um, advice for anybody of any age. So thank you for that. I was like, yeah, I need more of that energy in my life. Um, you know, it's, it's very rare that you, uh, 
meet someone who exceeds your expectations, but you definitely exceeded mine. Um, you know, relatable is the word. I will say that relatable is that is a word for you, <laughs> Candice. So thank, thank you thank so, you. so, so much for coming and sharing some of your time and your insight and, um, and your process with us on writing black. Cause mm-hmm. I, I, I know I personally got a lot out of this conversation. So I hope our listeners will as well. You are fantastic. And I cannot wait uh, and so to see what comes next, especially stuff on my TV screen, because like you, I'm a big consumer. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, wait, Thank I forgot so one thing I did want to ask you, though. I did forget one oh, question. Yeah. I did, because I do like to ask this of all of my. We talked a little bit about some people that you have liked in the past. But who who do you read? Who do you um, what writers of any genre do mm. you gravitate towards? You know, whether it's screen or page or what have you. Um, I love poetry, mm. and I think because uh, my mind is quite, I have quite, a, maybe imagine I've got quite a fast moving brain, and sticking with a novel these days is quite hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love a lot of poetry. Um, I'm reading a really amazing poem called Yomi Shode. He's got a great collection called Mannerism. Um, Morgan Parker, anytime I can get my hands on any edition of a Morgan Parker poetry collection, I'm so elated. Um, I'm a very classic, like, Toni Morrison lover, yeah. you know, like, that's, that's always. Um, Zadie Smith, of mm-hmm. course, a fellow Londoner. Um, Diana Evans, a fellow Londoner. Uh, Caleb Azuma Nelson wrote this really gorgeous novel called Open Water, which came out in America last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I read all Black authors, and when my mind is really fast, it's poetry. Um, but a really special novel can take me, actually. Well, I, I can't think of anything better to end on because these are really special novels to me. <laughs> so, again, thank you so much for joining us on Writing Black. Um, you know, this I've, this conversation made me just feel warm all over. I, you know, I don't know how else to say it. So thank you so much, Candice. And have a good night over there in the UK. (laughs) I hope so. so. (laughs) All right, well, we're going to take a beat and we will be right back with more Writing Black. Introducing Dear Culture with Panama Jackson on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Bring your friends for the shenanigans and stay for the edutainment as Panama debates culture wars, Janet Jackson versus Michael, Black Fashions, Black Mendations, and everything Black. Listen today on the Griot mobile app for all the Black culture conversations you don't want to miss. Also available wherever great podcasts are heard. Welcome back to Writing Black. Now, this is the part where I tell you what I'm reading these days. I got to say, you know, we were just talking to Candice about her newest release, People Person. But I would be remiss if I did not tell you all to check out Queenie, her debut. It's such a talent to be able to speak so frankly and candidly um, when you're writing fiction. You know, I think that there's always this urge to make things more flowery, perhaps, than they are in real life. And what's so great about the characters that Candice writes is that they are so flawed. They are so relatable. Um, You know, and there is this temptation, I think, to compare her work to, like, you know, Bridget Jones or something like that. But this is a distinctly um, Black perspective. This is a distinctly millennial perspective. Um, And I, I just, you know, I really enjoyed this book. I think... 
check out everything you can by her because she's really a phenomenal talent. And I think we're going to be seeing much more of her in years to come. So check out Queenie and People Person. You heard it from me. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Writing Black. As always, you can find us on the Grio app or wherever you find your podcasts. The Grio Black Podcast Network is here and it's everything you've been waiting for. News, talk, entertainment, sports, and today's issues, all from the Black perspective. Ready for real talk and Black culture amplified? Be inspired. Listen to new and established voices now on the Grio Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Grio mobile app and tune in everywhere great podcasts are heard.